With news from around the world this week, I'm David F. Porteous, telling you all you need to know. This is the news for the week beginning Monday, 27th of April. And we begin this week's news with an on-the-scene report. Right now, I'm standing in the Aral Sea. Oh yes, I am. If you listen carefully, you can hear the sound of the absence of water. Because all around me lie the desert salt flats which were once part of this massive inland sea, which has shrunk to only a tenth of its size in just 40 years. I know how people like it when news programmes take meaningless figures and turn them into other figures which are equally meaningless. So, rather than telling you a blue whale weighs 190 tonnes, they'd say a blue whale weighs the same as 350 camels or 8.5 million white mice. Uh, In much the same way, I can say that a sea which used to be the size of Ireland is now the size of Puerto Rico, which is about a tenth the size of Ireland. I hope you're following all this highly detailed science I'm throwing at you here. Uh, The point I'm making is that something which used to be very big is now really rather small. This isn't global warming, it's ruthless Soviet planning. Rivers were diverted to provide water for agriculture, including cotton growing, a major regional industry. Uh, Forty years later, with much of what remains of the Aral Sea being too salty and polluted for fish to live in, the water which was diverted is no longer enough. Five nations, whose names all end in Stan, share a common problem, the need for water. Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan control the sources of both the important regional rivers. These countries, who are as dirt poor as you imagine they are, want to build hydroelectric dams. The other stands, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan, are all larger and more powerful nations. Kazakhstan in particular is the only one whose elections merit international press attention. These nations would rather that they didn't, because dams built upriver cause them problems downriver. You're probably wondering at this point why this section of the show is a bit short on jokes and why you should care. Well, this week these nations met to attempt to agree how they should manage the region's limited water supplies and failed to come away with anything more significant than a signed note formalising their agreement to continue to disagree. What happens here concerns us all. New models for climate change show that in our lifetime we'll see this region become increasingly arid, and because rainfall has no respect for borders, it's probably worth pointing out that the region includes both Russia and China. China in particular will be facing what scientists at Harvard call extreme water pressures across its north and west within the next half century. How well the stands can manage their collective water resources should be seen as a barometer for the stability of the region, and to an extent the world. In altogether less serious news, President Barack Obama passed his 100 days in office milestone, so after 100 days, how well do we know this President Obama? In the end he needs a little bit more than me National security he needs his Medicaid and welfare I know him so well Too much? I'm never sure. I liked it anyway. Well, the economy's screwed. But in Obama's defence, all the damage was done before he got there. Let's see how well history judges a black man using that defence. He's pushed through a stimulus package which Wall Street generally thinks will be effective. I think a better move would have been to set a swarm of angry pigs loose on the stock market floor, but 
you know, we'll call that a par. Uh, on international relations, positive with respect to letting Cuban Americans have access to Western Union. Positive in that he's made overtures to the Iranians and the Syrians. I hear rumours of a barbecue. Syria may bring potato salad. Iran are talking about sending pork chops. Uh, and he made very positive impression with the Saudi king by bowing almost to waist height, which is something that even the Saudi queen doesn't do anymore. On the war on whatever, troops come out of Iraq, eventually. More troops into Afghanistan, but these ones don't care about democracy, they're just going to shoot people. And that's what real soldiering is all about, shooting Johnny Foreigner. Of course, it's always better if Johnny is armed with a sharp stick rather than an AK-47, but you can't have everything. On the environment, he's pushing wave and wind technologies and is the first president in eight years to recognise that CO2 is not the chemical symbol for gold and that creating it doesn't make him rich. On healthcare, Obama is not the president that Hillary Clinton would have been there. I've said it. So far, the president has begun tentative talks with all parties about healthcare reform, but ultimately a plan to expand healthcare coverage to the estimated 46 million Americans currently uninsured does not exist. And while Obama has said that reform of this area is central to economic recovery, it's hard to see how he can provide a private sector solution for all in the world's most expensive, but not necessarily effective, healthcare market. It's difficult to see how he can deliver a public sector solution without the appearance of raising taxes and the great Satan of the American right, socialised medicine. Because, as we all know, Jesus wanted money up front before healing the sick. And speaking of the sick, in response to the pig flu thing, Egypt is planning to kill all of its pigs. Egypt claims to have something in the region of 300,000 pigs. Now follow me through with this chain of thought. The WHO has said that eating cooked pork meat is safe. No cases of the so-called pig flu have as yet been traced to any pigs. The virus can be spread from human to human and isn't in pigs in Egypt anyway, so the argument for killing pigs is really rather slim. Egypt has a population which is about 90% Muslim. Muslims are forbidden to eat and to touch pork. So, why the hell would Egypt have 300,000 pigs anyway? And why so keen to kill them and destroy them immediately? Now call me Columbo, but I smell insurance fraud. In order to get a better perspective on the total hysterics we all are in relation to this pig flu story, I'm going to read to you some of the headlines from The Sun, Britain's most popular titty paper. Uh, all the page three models have got hot and sweaty over the flu news. Uh, the Sun sometimes prints short stories, which may or may not be based on real events, but which are so convincing that many of its readers mistake them for news items. Monday. 86 killed in Mexico. Not 86 dead. 86 killed. The way they would really have liked to word that story was 86 brutally murdered by pedophile pig virus. It's in your schools, taking pictures of your children while they change for gym. Pig flu in plot to steal the crown jewels. Pig flu invades Poland. Pig flu makes you gay. And remember, this is just day one of the news cycle. By the time we get to Thursday, in massive white-on-black print, it just got worse. 
Pig flu, five Brit victims. Pandemic is imminent. Let's just clarify that word victim, shall we? None of those so-called victims has actually died. In fact, all of them are doing pretty well. One man who was in quarantine in his own house, not even in a hospital, has been doing telephone interviews with the news. He said he'd never experienced anything like this before. It was no ordinary flu. But that doesn't mean anything. He's a man. That's what we say. Every sniffle is like the Ebola virus. This was no ordinary bunion. It was bigger than my head. This was no ordinary eye infection. I was weeping blood like a statue of the Virgin Mary. This was no ordinary diarrhea. It came out of my ears. It displayed human level intelligence and stole my car. What he means is, all the other times in his life when he's actually just had the cold, but had been telling people he had the flu, those times were not as bad as the actual flu. By Friday, they were reporting, the Sun were reporting, health system could collapse. 1.2 million victims face hospital bed lottery. Again, again with the victims. As if pig flu was some sort of crime. As if it could be defeated if only the government would finally stump up the money to build more prisons and lock up those asylum seekers. Coming over here and taking all of our face masks. And on Saturday, finally, doctors said this virus looks like it's probably about as dangerous as normal flu which in civilised countries with decent medical systems kills less than one-tenth of one percent of those infected. Or one person in a thousand infected. And what story did the sun run? A full-page picture of what Madeleine McCann might possibly look like now if she wasn't dead, which of course she is. No, whoops, sorry about making the government order billions in new anti-flu drugs during a massive global recession. No, deep sympathy for destroying the tourist industry of Mexico. Truth is always in the public interest. But newspapers need to fill column inches, and TV news have to fill 24 hours a day, and almost everybody's in the business of fear. Truth always comes later, and never with the same spectacle. I'm David F. Porteous, and that's all you need to know.